The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Good morning. Welcome here. My name is Doug Friesen. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are just so glad to be able to worship God together today, and especially as it's the first Sunday of the month, and we anticipate having the Lord's Supper together. That's always a special time for our church family. We want to encourage you that if you haven't already, take time to download our church app. You're going to find all uh, the most important information there. One feature that I think is really wonderful is during the messages, there's a way for you to take notes of what you hear and have it saved to your phone. You can even email those notes to yourself later. So features like that are just really wonderful uh, making use of our church app. It also is a place where you can find out ways to worship through giving. And so for those of you who are new here, we often don't have the, the plate going through, the offering basket going through during the sermon. But when you do come in, there's an offering basket at the door. There's a way to do e-transfers, texting, or auto deposits. We just want you to be aware of those opportunities to worship through giving. Today, right after the service, we have a members meeting. Uh, we're going to be looking at some uh, external financial records. We're going to be voting in our financial secretary. And we're also going to be welcoming a number of new members to our church family. So it's going to take place right after the service. So please stay seated here if you'd like to attend. And of course, the voting is for members only, but the meeting, anybody can come and listen in. And uh, if, that's, if you need to be going, feel free. There's coffee still in the foyer and still socialize with each other a bit before you head out this Sunday. Thinking of socializing, Solid Grounds is the ministry that we offer throughout the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. We usually have a coffee time here in the foyer, right at the front of our foyer is called Solid Grounds. We've decided that now for the summer that will be closed, but we'll resume in the fall. But we do want you to know and, and feel very welcome to come and use our grounds, use our foyer throughout the summer to meet with your friends. Bring a coffee, bring a lawn chair, whatever you want to do, but we have such a beautiful space here that God has given us. Outside, the pathways are nice, there's greenery, there's a lake. Uh, just come and, and meet with people, make the most of the grounds that the Lord has given us. This Tuesday, we have a, a meeting for our neighborhood group leaders. It looks like it's a dessert night based on the picture, so I'd be coming. That would be very good, so please be coming on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And uh, last week, you saw a video from Richard and Miriam Salas. They were talking about life transformation ministry. This is a ministry that's helping us to be better equipped to uh, warmly love, welcome newcomers, refugees to our church family. Uh, Richard and Miriam are a wonderful couple. They've been uh, just vital in helping us be more aware of how we can approach people, love them, make them greeted, and also offer a relationship in Christ with them. And so please, uh, there's a luncheon uh, next Sunday, right after church, it's gonna be in the children's ministry area. If you'd like to hear more about that ministry, please sign up by Friday so they know how to prepare for food. But I would strongly recommend coming if you have any desire for our church being better equipped with refugees and new Canadians, this is a, an event for you to come to. Growing in Grace is our seniors ministry, and uh, for any of you 55 or up, we've got a barbecue and fellowship time on Thursday, June the 23rd. We typically meet once a month for uh, a, a meal, and it's been a while since we've been able to do that, and now we're so glad that we can have a barbecue again. If you want to, you can be sitting outside, bring your lawn chair. If weather doesn't allow, we'll sit inside in the children's area, but uh, please sign up for that. So again, we know how to prepare for food. That's Thursday, June the 23rd. 
And one more announcement that relates to food. This is for newcomers. If you're new to our church and you'd like to just meet a few of our pastors, deacons, leaders, and learn a little bit more about who we are as a church, uh, we have a newcomer's lunch scheduled for June the 26th, and we'd love for you to attend. So please just let the church office know that you'd like to come, and we'd be glad to have you with us. And finally, uh, for many of you, you're looking at a time of celebration as grade 12 comes to an end. Exams are coming, and shortly after that, you're going to be celebrating just the, the uh, milestone in your life of finishing grade 12. So if that applies to you, we'd love for you to give us your picture and the high school that you attended. And also, if you have any future plans, we want to have a little celebration on a Sunday morning on June the 26th. So if you're able to give that to us, that would be wonderful. I'm going to invite Tim Noble up right now, and he's part of our leadership team for missions, and he's going to share a little bit with us today about mobilization. Good morning. I am Tim Noble, and my wife is Brendan Noble, and we work with OMF International, a missions agency reaches out to East Asians throughout the world, and I'd like to, we work as missions mobilizers, and I'd like to share a little bit about mobilization, what is it, and why is it important. Did you know that for the first 275 years of the Protestant church, there was basically no missions involvement, almost no missions involvement? From the time that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of Wittenberg Castle Church to the time of uh, William Carey, who wrote a, a, an important booklet called An Inquiry into, uh, into the Obligation of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathen. Long name, but uh, basically is saying we need missions mobilizers and agencies. From, during all that time, there were only two groups, two small groups involved in missions, global missions, the Danish Halle Mission and the Moravians. Now, there are many reasons for that, but one of the main reasons was there were no missions mobilizers at, during that time. Nobody to keep that vision for the, for the uh, global engagement with what God is doing around the world before the church. Brenda and I got, came to Winnipeg in 2017, five years ago, and we thought we'd be here for a year, maybe two years. And, uh, but over time, God has made it clear that at least for a season, we are to be here mobilizing the church of Winnip and in Winnipeg and throughout Manitoba to be more engaged in, uh, in missions. Now, what does a mobilizer do? Three things, basically. First of all, we bring that vision of what God is doing around the world to the whole church, and, uh, and we challenge people to get involved Second, we equip people to be engaged in missions. So, for example, this Thursday, there is the Significant Others Discussion Group. And this, this Thursday, we've got a special guest, Pastor Ibrahim Zabaneh, who is going to be helping us to understand the Muslim world mindset. I hope that several of you will be able to join us because we, we had it last uh, November, and only eight people were able to come because of the snow, but it was absolutely amazing. So please join us on Thursday for that. But equipping, that's an example of equipping. Third, is we help connect people to what God is doing around the world, whether it's in East Asia where OMF works, or if God is calling you somewhere else, then we help you connect to 
the right people so you can get to what, what God is calling you to do, whether it's in East Asia, Africa, South America, whether it's here in North America involved in welcoming ministry, uh, like Richard Salas is involved with, uh, whether it's praying, whether it's sending, uh, whether it's mobilizing, whether it's learning, many different ways that all of us can be engaged in missions. So if you want to know more about our work or what God might be calling you to, please come talk to me at the Resource Center after the service. I'll be just out over here. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Tim. You know, one of my very favorite things in life is singing praises with my church family. Uh, and for a while, I couldn't do that. Uh, some of you know, most of you maybe know that I went through a season this year of about four months where I, I couldn't sing. And uh, I wanted to take a few minutes this morning just to tell you a little bit about what that was, was like for me. And, and if, you're, if you're somebody who, uh, who needs your pastors, to always have it all together, just cover your ears for, I don't know, the next minute or so, and you'll be okay. Uh, but because there, there were some things that I needed to be taught and some things that I believe God used that experience to teach me. Uh, so it was just before Christmas, four days before Christmas Eve, and I was preparing uh, uh, a rehearsal with, with somebody who was singing a, a duet for Christmas Eve, and I was all of a sudden realized I, I couldn't sing. It happened overnight. I just couldn't. I couldn't make any notes work, and uh, at first I thought it was maybe a cold, and even though I didn't have any other cold symptoms, uh, usually when I get a cold, my voice is the first thing to go, so I thought maybe it was just that. But uh, time passed, it was a couple weeks passed, and, and it was starting to get a little bit clear that uh, things weren't getting better and that maybe something was, something was wrong. And there was one night where we were watching a movie at home, uh, me and, and my wife, Linnell, and my daughter, Beth. And uh, it's, it's a Disney movie, Encanto. Maybe you've seen it. It was, yeah, it was, there we go, we got some fans. It was kind of a thing for a while. But uh, anyways, uh, I'm not going to give away any of the plot or any spoilers, except to say that there's kind of a sub-theme in this movie that kind of asks the question, if you don't have your gifts, then who are you? Who am I if I don't have my if I don't have my gifts. And so we're watching this movie, and I think Linnell was on one side and Beth was on the other, and they were enjoying it. And I was, I was terrified watching this. I've never been terrified by a Disney movie before, but, uh, but I found it really quite uncomfortable because, because I was starting to ask the very same question. I was starting to say, if I can't sing, or if I can't lead worship, then what am I for? And even saying that out loud, I totally know that that's, a, that's really just sinful, really. And it's, it's self-centered, actually. Um, because when we look at Scripture, Scripture says a few things. Scripture says that we are not defined by what we do. Scripture says that we're not defined by what we have, or we're not defined by our abilities, we're not defined by what people think of us, we're not defined by any of, of those things, and we don't get our value as a person from any of those kinds of things. I am who I am because God says who I am. In Christ, I'm a child of God, and that's what gives me value. And I've always known that up here, always known that up here. But clearly, when push came to shove, I was wrestling to believe it, 
down here. Uh, and I share that, well, first of all, just to say that God did some stuff in me. I, I really believe that he did. And in the end, even long before, I mean, I've got most of my voice back now, and things are so much better than they were. Uh, but even long before that happened, there was a lot of peace that God gave me in the midst of that. Uh, and, and he did that work in me because it took me a while, actually, to get there. Uh, and I share that partly uh, just to let you know kind of what that was, but also as an invitation. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who is hanging on to something just a little bit too tightly, or maybe you're depending on something just a little bit too much, so much so that it's making it harder to depend on God. Or, or maybe, maybe there's that something, whatever it is, is something that you're finding value in. Uh, and instead of finding your value in God. And wh again, whatever that something is, maybe it's a really good something. Maybe it's a really positive and, and typically God-honoring something, but maybe it's just on a shelf that you put it on that's just a little bit too high. And uh, if that's true about you, you'll get no judgment from me. Uh, but I just want to say that that's not where joy is. And uh, the songs we're going to be singing this morning are really all about that. I just wanted to share that. And, and let's... let's from there, let's enter into worship, to worship the God through whom, because of his son Jesus Christ, through whom we have value and we have purpose. That's what life is for, and that's where joy is, and that's who we can trust. And I invite you to stand, and let's sing these songs together. Lord God, we stand here together as brothers and sisters, as your children, because you've declared us to be that in Christ to say how great you are. We thank you for your many gifts to us, most of which, the biggest of which, is just to be known by you and to know you and to give you honor. Thank you for that opportunity that you give us. And we pray for this church, uh, for those who are suffering in different ways. And, and this morning we especially remember George Betcher, who has had emergency surgery this week because of a cyst um, in his bowel. And uh, God, I pray. First, we thank you, Lord, that, that he is recovering. We, we recognize that this was a, a serious situation, and uh, we thank you he's recovering and that the surgery went well. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to encourage him and to encourage Lorna and their family with a deep and profound sense of your presence. And I pray also for a quick recovery for George. We know that this, some of these, the ramifications of this surgery are, are probably life-changing for him. And I, I, I pray that even in the changes, like we just sang, as he enters into a new season with some different health issues, I just pray, God, that you would give him what he needs and continue to grow him just like you're growing each one of us. And in all of it, I pray that you would remind him every day that he is loved by you and by this church. Thank you, Lord, for, for how you, how you uh, hear our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have you guys to stay standing for a moment. Uh, Trudy is going to come up, and she's going to read the scripture this morning. Our scripture this morning is um, Romans 15, verses 22 to 33. Okay, Romans 15, 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, 
But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. I appeal to you, my brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, though that by God's will I will come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Trudy, for sharing the word with us today. I've been blessed already so much already by... Uh, I just dug talking about the life of the body and the fact that uh, things are happening again uh, in real life. And, and uh, Tim was sharing, uh, uh, resident expert on missions and just sharing about things articulate on that front. And then, and just so blessed by Kevin sharing a word of testimony about the journey that he's been on. And uh, thank you, Kevin, wherever you are for sharing that. And, uh, but, but even more than those three people, I've been blessed by you guys. Because when you were singing this morning, um, all my changes come from God, I, I was believing you. You were sounding like, like really convincing and that uh, you were going to trust God. And, and when you were singing, especially that last song, How Great Is Our God, man, I, just, I, I was really believing you, that you, you are holding that God of your life as greatest and ready to follow him wherever he leads. And so thank you for being faithful. Uh, it's so good to be part of the body of Christ, part of a church family. I just uh, wanted to mention, I, 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 we get a copies of Faith Today, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada magazine. There's a whole bunch out in the Welcome Center, and it, is, it has got many various kinds of uh, articles on it in it that uh, you might find interesting. I want to commend that to you. Well, I'm sure that most of you have um, received missionary newsletters. And uh, I, I wonder what it is that you look for when you get a, a missionary newsletter. Uh, I was looking at some of the folks that we support overseas in our, as a church and that, and, and looking at theirs. And I, it kind of got I got so plugged into this for a little while that I actually took up and dug up the last newsletter that Pat and I ever sent out when we lived in Bolivia. And uh, it was just actually written after we had started here at White Ridge Baptist Church. And the newsletter talked about uh, this community gardens that we had finished and that the students were now 
uh, doing on the seminary campus at Cochabamba, and it talked about the ministry trip to the jungle region of Cochabamba to take the gospel there and talk to the churches. And then it talked about this completion of this addition to the seminary building, this uh, library student center. And, and then we went on and talked about how we had passed on the ministry of spiritual formation to this Bolivian couple, Betty and, and Antonio Antesana. And uh, uh, Betty died of cancer a couple years after we wrote this. And, and uh, Antonio died of COVID two years ago. And uh, uh, the, 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 the students are in different hands now. And then we talked about colleagues that were joining the field and an update on our family and just how to continue to support the ministry and so on and so forth. Well, in Romans chapters 15 and 16, and especially the passage that Trudy read to us this morning, it really reads like a missionary newsletter sent to the church at Rome. And uh, just as in so many missionary newsletters, I, Paul covers off on some of the big things that people back home want to know about. They want to know about what are your priorities for ministry? What p- travel plans do you have? Especially, do you plan to see us? <laughs> and then thirdly, what, what are you doing with some of the money that's being gathered? And finally, what are some of the prayer requests? All that is in the scripture that we looked at this morning. And um, we really get a sense that Paul, as he writes the letter to the Romans at the end of it, we're getting a sense that Paul is in, in a state of change. He's in a state of transition. In fact, many of the people that we support in other places as a church are also in a state of transition. Andrew and Courtney Joy, uh, they talked last year about this incredible change in their ministry as they started to change their whole focus, and and now they're in the Rift Valley Academy at at, uh, Kenya. And uh, they had to go through, and and that change was hard. And uh, right now, we're just praying and asking God, what is, what is the future of Pathway Camp Ministries? You know, uh, Jenny and Stefan are moved to Montreal right now, and we're just wondering, what God, what do you got for that plan? We want to know, is our partnership with Garden Hill going to continue, and what is it going to look like? And, and then there's, of course, Sammy and Heidi, uh, who have just recently relocated to Kelowna, and just, uh, again, they're in transition And I think of the woman that we affectionately call Priscilla (laughs) for safety reasons. And I wonder how many changes she faces in that continent, in that country where she is. Uh, It's not hard to understand that if you are going to go into cross-cultural ministry, you are going to face changes. Paul is at a place of flux. A change is happening. And we're going to look at some of these key things right now. And the first thing I want to talk about is Paul's priority in ministry, which he addresses in this chapter in 15. The first thing he says is that he's eager to preach the gospel. He says it so many times in his letters to the churches, you couldn't miss it. That if you want to know what's, what Paul's all about, it's preaching the gospel. I mean, what do you, you know, isn't there a Robert Munch book, a children's book that says, what do you want, do you really, really want? Is that, is that a Robert Munch book? Or maybe it's a Spice Girls song. I can't remember. <laughs> I get those mixed up. In my head, it just all goes together. Anyway, if you ask Paul, what do you want, do you really, really want? He would say, I want to preach the good news. 
I want to tell others about Jesus. He begins in chapter 1, verse 1 of Romans. He says, I'm a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle. I'm set apart for the gospel of Christ, of God. And then in, in keeping with that, that's what he, he just, chapter 15, six, uh, verse 1, verse 15, he says, and I want to come to you, Rome, and I want to preach the gospel to you. And then he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And the word power there is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from. Paul says, I'm not af- afraid because the gospel is dynamite. I read many years ago the, the autobiography of Oswald J. Smith, the founder of People's Church in Toronto, and he used to be a shantyman, and he said, wherever I go, I like to leave the gospel so that there will be an explosion and someone will get saved. That's what Paul was like. He was passionate. He said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Chapter 20 of, of Acts in verse 24, he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders And he's saying, I'm going up to Jerusalem not knowing what's there waiting, but I do not count my life of any value nor as precious if only I may finish the course and ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 20, he says, I make it my ambition. And the word there is a convoluted word. It's, It's all about love. The love of his life was to preach the gospel. But that's not all. He wanted to preach the gospel also where Christ was not known. He didn't want to build on someone else's foundation. He says that in chapter 15, verse 20. Also in places where Christ has never been preached, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. There's nothing wrong with building on someone else's foundation. If God has called you to be a Barnabas kind of missionary person that has this ministry of encouragement upon an already formed ministry, then you do what God has appointed and anointed you to do. But if God raises you up to be a pioneer, if God raises you up to be on the frontier of things where Christ is not known, then you better go into God's anointing and do that because that's what he has called you to. The point is, follow your calling, fulfill your assignment, pursue the passion God has for you, and depend on him to be for you everything that he is. And if there are some of our sent ones out there listening in on this service, then I commend to you to follow after God hard, and do not doubt your calling, and do not doubt our prayer support as you go, as you are there. But that's not all. Not only did Paul want to preach the gospel in places not known, but he also wanted to preach it to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish peoples. That was his passion. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, when he who had set me apart before I was born called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach Christ among the Gentiles, he says, I didn't consult anybody. I heard from God. (laughs) That's what Paul was all about. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, when we hear about his conversion and this man, this disciple, Ananias, is sent to Paul because remember, he's afraid of Paul. Paul's been persecuting the church. And there's, Ananias is sent to Paul, and what, is, what does God tell him? He says, go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. That was incredible. Paul was so very equipped 
In 11.13, he calls himself an apostle to the Gentiles. In Ephesians 3.7, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of God's power, and to me, though I am the very least of all the apostles, he said, this grace was given to me to preach to who? The Gentiles. Over and over again, Paul said, "That's, that's, that's the zone of my anointing. That's who I'm called to. Boy, was he ever equipped. He was equipped and so qualified, trained in the Mosaic Law, but also trained in classical Greek and Roman education. A a, a Pharisee, a Jewish hierarchy kind of guy, and yet so trained in the Greek philosophers and the literature of the day. Privileges of Roman citizenship, and yet uh, the highest understanding of the Pharisees. He was equipped and qualified to go and to share the gospel. Paul knew his calling. He also knew very much what he wanted to see happen among the Gentiles. And in just this chapter, we see four things. In chapter 15, he wanted to see that the Gentiles would bring glory to God for his mercy. He wanted to see in verse 16 that the offering that the Gentiles are to God would be acceptable. He saw them as he saw himself as a priest, and he saw the offering he was given with the Gentiles, the, the non-Jewish peoples that were coming to Jesus as their Messiah. And he said, I want, I want them to be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 18, he's, he wanted them to be brought to obedience in word and deed. And in verse 27, that they might share in the spiritual blessings of Israel, even as Israel should share in their material blessings. And that's why he was taking an offering to them that was all from all the Gentile churches. See, Paul had this passion to see one church united, the dividing wall of hostility destroyed, and one church that Jesus Christ would come for, one bride. And so Paul's holy ambition was to preach the gospel where he's not known and among the non-Jewish peoples. You know, when David Livingston, the missionary to Africa, was called, and he, um, he volunteered as a missionary first uh, with the London Missionary Society, And they asked him, well, where do you want to go? (laughs) And initially, his first response was, anywhere as long as it is forward. And that was Paul. That was Paul. He just said, anywhere as long as it is forward. In this missionary newsletter, chapter 15, we see that that's what Paul is doing. That leads to our second point, and that is, are, are his plans to travel I want you to understand Paul's travel plans, and um, in chapter 15, 22 to 29, uh, they're described, but if you really want to get deep into them, you're going to have to read Acts chapter 20 to 28. <laughs> so so that's, that's kind of the, the full edition. This is the Reader's Digest edition. And basically, he talks about three important places in this chapter. He talks about... Uh, Jerusalem, and he talks about Rome, and he talks about Spain. What is all that about? Let's take a look, first of all, at Jerusalem. Paul's priority is, 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 is heard in verse 25 as far as plans to travel. He says, At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to them, for if the Gentiles have come to share in spiritual blessings, they ought to be of service to the others in material blessings. 
So the, the first priority travel plans was Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. You get that in Acts chapter 20 all the way through. And um, he had an offering to share. Now, this is not the first offering that Paul had given and gathered from Gentile churches to the mother church in Jerusalem that was largely Jewish. Ten years earlier, Barnabas and Paul had gathered an offering because of a famine. But now the offering is being gathered more because of the persecution that some of the churches are facing in Jerusalem. You see, one commentator that I read described the fact that to be a Christian in Jerusalem at this stage of the game was not an easy thing. You were ostracized. You were rejected from the Jewish community, and oftentimes your family and friends would reject you. You would not find employment. There were many poor. He said, one commentator said that to be a Christian in Jerusalem when Paul's writing this letter meant you were poor. You were poor. And so here's Paul with the Gentile churches across uh, Greece and Asia Minor. He's, he's gathering these offerings. And now he's so excited, he's taking it to Jerusalem. Acts 20, he's on his way. And that's uh, what Paul is talking about here. But he also talks about Rome. Verse 22 to 33, five times in this scripture, Paul says, I'm coming to see you. Five times, I'm coming to you, I'm coming to you, I want to come to you in Rome. Now you need to remember that at this time, Paul has never been to Rome. Paul is writing this letter that we've been studying from the city of Corinth where he's in ministry. It's around the year 58 AD. He's never been to Rome. He's had different contacts, reports, but he's never been there. And uh, as I said, it's a long story how he gets there. But let me just tell it quickly. In chapter 20 of Acts, he's in Ephesus on his way to Jerusalem to deliver this offering before he goes to Rome. He's told by prophets in, in, the, in Ephesus, in the elders group there, that in Jerusalem, he is going to be facing opposition. He is going to be bound and handed over to the Roman authorities there. And indeed, that's what happens in chapter 21. Uh, he, he arrives, the church receives him, and the church tries to protect him, but there's a lot of lies and gossip surrounding Paul, and a, a whole group of people, Jewish zealots, are trying to kill him. And so um, he actually is talking in the temple regions, and, and he's almost beaten to death, and the Roman soldiers have to protect him. In chapter 22, he asks for the soldiers to give him an opportunity to speak to the crowds. They do. And he speaks to them until he mentions the word Gentiles, that he was sent to the Gentiles. He's, he's, he's being listened to. But then as soon as he mentions them, they want to pound him again. So the Roman soldiers take him away. The centurion soldier in charge makes sure that he's protected. He's in custody. And again, mobs try to kill him. Men have taken a vow, an oath, a solemn oath before God that I will die before I see Paul. If, I will see Paul dead before before uh, I, I will die if, if he's not dead. And so chapter 23, he gets a hearing with the Jewish council. He is rejected there. His nephew finds out about the plot to kill him, tells the, the, the centurion. The centurion has a whole battalion of soldiers take him to Caesarea, a Roman uh, capital point. And in Caesarea, he meets up with the governor Felix, this is in chapter 24. He's, uh, he's, they don't understand what to do with Paul, so he, he sits for two years in prison. 
And he's sitting there, and during that time, Felix leaves, and a new governor comes in. His name is Festus. He wants to meet Paul as well. He meets Paul. His, his wife also uh, comes, Bernice, and, and they, they don't know what to make of Paul either. And because he appeals to Rome and to Caesar, finally Festus says, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you will go. And so now he's on his way to Rome under guard with Roman soldiers. And the, the story in chapters 26, 27, and so on of how he gets to Rome are incredible. He endures a storm, a shipwreck, a poisonous snake bite. Finally, he lands in Rome on a long journey. And uh, somebody said that in the 30-year ministry of Paul, he traveled something like 3,000 miles on a ship. And uh, he gets there, and he has made it his ambition to preach in Rome, but he arrives in chains, chained to a Roman soldier 24-7, and uh, being able to minister to saints in Caesar's household. And that leads us to the final place that we're talking about in his travel plans, and that is Spain. Notice in verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul's already got in his mind he's going to Spain. And to be helped on my journey there by you. He already has it in his plans that Rome is going to become now a sending church. Okay, he, he's way ahead of them on this. Once I've enjoyed your company, again in verse 28, he says, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Now Spain, if you'll remember, is at the westerly end of the Roman Empire, of the civilized world at this time. And all the ministry that Paul has had to date has been more in the eastern part of the Mediterranean. And he feels as though his work there is done because all across that region there has been churches planted and elders appointed and indigenous peoples now ministering to their own kind. And so he feels that now he's got to go where Christ has not been preached, which is west to Spain. And he's on his way there. But we get the real clear indication that he wants Rome to become the new center of the sending church. No longer the church at Antioch, way over in the east, but now this Roman church. And so he's got an agenda for them, and that leads us to our final point, and that is his prayer requests. In verse 30, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You know, I don't know about you, but you could look at this letter and say, this guy is really bold for somebody who hasn't even visited the church. And next week, as we look at chapter 16, you'll see that though he has not visited the church, he knows so many people. He's been praying for them, and he's already connected there. And so he can ask for prayer from them. And he prays for them to strive together. The word is sun agonizomai, which means, it's where we get our word agony from. He's saying, I want you to agonize in prayer for me. I don't know how often that when we're lifting up those that we've sent out, I don't know how often we agonize in prayer for them and for the darkness to be pushed back and the light to come into their region of ministry. But he's asking them to agonize and to plead with God. And there's three requests. First of all, in verse 31, he says, Pray for deliverance from hostile unbelievers in Judea. 
And the word there for unbelievers is a, is a word that means unpersuadable. In other words, there are a group of people that have been so entrenched in not following the way of Jesus that they are committed to persecuting Paul, and they're unpersuadable. Second request is for the offering that he's taking to the church in Jerusalem, that they would receive it and that they would welcome Paul. And even though the money comes from Gentile churches, that they would realize that they are part of the body of Christ as well. And then finally, he also asks for prayer that, 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 that finally, after so long of wanting to, he'll arrive in Rome and actually be able to visit them. Three very big prayer requests. Now, I want to ask you, when you study a text like this, what do you go home with? <laughs> you know, one of the reasons that we, we believe in this expository preaching from chapter 1, verse 1 of a letter or book of the Bible to the very last verse of the Bible is because we believe that, that all Scripture is profitable some way. And so we don't duck around all the Scriptures. And I'm just asking us, and I've been asking God, God, what is it that you want to land on us as your people today? And, and one of the first things I want to say about that is that if you if you could just leave knowing that God takes deep interest in your priorities, as he did in Paul's, and in your plans that you make, and in the prayer requests that you would share with somebody else if you shared them. He takes profound interest in what really matters to you. What do you want do you really, really want? He really cares about that because, you see, the kingdom of God is about your heart. And what you really want. And, and, you know, you and I, we could take steps down the road in our next faith step journey by looking at a life of Paul, but, but it also could be discouraging, couldn't it? I shared with you last week how when Pat and I were traveling through Paul's second missionary journey and following in his footsteps, and we re- arrived in Berea, and there's this statue of Paul, and I told you last week how I felt very small in my spiritual stature next to Paul. You know, you could study this text that we're looking at today and you're saying, well, I don't have that kind of holy ambition to preach the gospel where Christ is never known, to be persecuted and face all kinds of opposition. That's not on my front bucket list. That's okay. It's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up over that. But it can, Paul's life can serve to remind us of our own calling to be carriers of the gospel and to share with whoever God has called us to share with and to cross the borders that he wants us to cross and the barriers. But you know something, the best way to realign your life with the passion of Paul is to go to the passion of Christ, the Christ that sent and called you and saved you And so the best way to realign today is not by looking and comparing yourself with Paul and seeing your spiritual stature, but by just coming to the table of the Lord that Jesus Christ invites us to. Because at the table of the Lord, we can get realignment with that holy ambition that God has designed especially for you, for your life. You can come to the table and get a a clear clarity on what God 
wants for you and for your life, even as Paul did for his. Our connection with Jesus is affirmed less by looking at a super saint and more by looking at Jesus. And so this morning, as we uh, think about this opportunity you have, we take bread in a moment and we remember Jesus, whose body was broken for us, reminding us that we are frail, that we are material creatures, frail creatures, and that we're in need of the life-giving sustenance of the one who's called the bread of life. You need him. Secondly, we take the cup, and this morning we'll be reminded that this represents Jesus' blood shed for us, and it's a reminder that you and I are just one little grape of a very big vine, or branch, I should say, that is part of an enormous vine. And, and, and you know what? It, you're going to get that life-flowing sap into your life by the Holy Spirit as you just remember that you're connected as a grape to this branch, to this vine called Jesus. We maintain our continuity with Jesus by eating in remembrance of him. You know, when Jesus was baptized, it says in the scriptures that the heavens opened and the Spirit came down to rest upon him like a dove. And the Father spoke and he said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You know, it was at his baptism that that occurred. And you need to hear that, too. You need to hear that the heavens can open and the Holy Spirit of God can come down. He wants to rest upon you. He does. And this meal that Jesus has given us is that other ordinance besides baptism, something that he commanded for us to do. And he said, do this as often as you remember me. Do it. Because by doing this, by coming to the table, you are reminding yourself that you're part of his body, the family around you, and that what he did has meaning for today. And so you, you declare your continuity. And you know what? You bring to this table all of your ambitions. You bring to this table the holy ambitions like Paul had that have maybe been put to the side, like Kevin was describing, maybe lowered in priority. You bring your not-so-holy ambitions to this table as well that maybe God's indifferent to. And you also bring your unholy ambitions that are absolutely contrary to the way of God for you, to the abundant life he's called you to. Jesus says, you. I'm interested in you. You come to this table and you bring your holy ambitions and your not-so-holy ambitions and your unholy ambitions. And you trust me to lay my hand gently upon you. Let me pray for us. And uh, as we pray, those of you at home might want to go and get uh, uh, some bread and cup. And those of you here, if you haven't received one of those little cellophane things, you can go back at the back and get it as well. Let me pray for us. God, our Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for examples like Paul who we just don't feel like we could ever fit into his shoes. We feel so small in stature, oh God. We have so many things that we carry around. We have baggage, God, that 
We don't want to have. We want to surrender it up to you. And you've said, do this meal. Observe this meal. Come to the table. Let it be a spiritual checkup. Let it be a reminder that Christ has saved you to sanctify you and to serve in his kingdom. And Lord, I pray that today will be an appointment again that each one of us would have with you. And that in this moment, for those that are struggling with transitions in life, with changes that have come, with losses and things that they're really having a hard time with, Lord, as they lift up their prayer to you right now, I'm asking you, God, that you'd meet with them. In this holy moment, would you meet with them, Father? Before they partake of the bread and cup, would you remind them you are for them, and if God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, Lord, and may you lay your hands gently upon us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we welcome you to this table. This is the Lord's table. And uh, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, he has invited you to come. The risen Lord is among us. And uh, even as he did that last night before he died with his disciples, he, he said, take this bread and take this cup. This cup represents my body. This cup, this body, this bread represents my body. This cup represents my blood. And do this in remembrance of me. Let us give thanks for it before we partake. Lord, we come to you and we thank you that you are here. Um, God, we praise you for the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. And we partake of this bread and we partake of this cup knowing that there's nothing we can ever have or do to furnish ourselves with the spiritual food that our souls need. You are the bread of life and you are the vine. And we are just the branches. Lord, we pray, would you receive our praise and thanks for this meal. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you now to partake of the bread and remember this is the body of Christ broken for you. And after supper, it says he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. Let's drink of the cup. And Jesus pointed to the future when he said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May God bless you, his people, us, his people, and may he encourage you to follow the ambition that he has placed on our hearts for the glory of his name. Amen. Amen. Lord God, as we about, we're about to switch gears into this time of meeting for our membership meeting, we also recognize that we're not really switching gears. I pray that you would, you would allow this, as we continue to talk about how you are leading this church, as we continue to talk about some of the nuts and bolts that are happening behind the scenes, as we continue to talk about vision, I pray that you would lead all of that and that that will be a worship service too. I pray that you would be honored by all of this. Thank you for how you've created the church to serve you together, and I pray that you would lead us. We trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.